0: Welcome to Kineo's stream of thought. I'm Paul Westlake, Solutions Consultant at Kineo, and today we're speaking about digital transformation. Today I'm
1: joined by James Corey Wright, Head of Learning Design, Mark Harrison, Senior Consultant,
2: Liz Smith, Lead Solutions Designer.
0: So digital transformation, that's something that we're hearing quite a lot about and there's a few blogs that I've read recently that are covering this topic. So I guess we need to start at the beginning. What what does that actually mean?
3: Um, Well, I would say it's all about trying to look at everything that you're doing in L&D and working out whether the online or digital versions of everything you do are feasible within the organisation.
2: I think at the moment a lot of people are doing a big curation exercise in terms of all the learning assets that they hold, you know, that might be face-to-face training, it might be digital assets, it might be paper-based learning, you know, just having a big um, review of everything they've got and then looking at how they can create true digital experiences from that that kind of fit with the modern world and the modern learner.
0: So it's considerably more than taking existing face-to-face courses and turning them into e-learning, for example, then?
2: Yeah, it's a much bigger task than that because it's about kind of um, assessing everything and then thinking about um, what's the most appropriate things, what will work really well digitally. It doesn't mean necessarily that you're going to take everything that you have in a paper format and transfer that to a digital format. For the moment, you might pick one thing and you think, this is the most crucial thing to our organisation. This is something everyone needs to know. We want to have a consistent experience across a global audience. Um, so we're going to do that and that's going to be our first, the first part of our journey into a digital transformation.
0: So, so what what businesses' motivation to do that then?
3: Well, I mean, I think essentially um, they realise there's an awful lot of stuff stored in the organisations that they're not sharing, and that's always been a problem for ages. Knowledge management has been something that no one's really nailed. Uh, we now have the technologies to be able to do all of this, Uh, So I think it's a drive on that part. I think there's partly a sense of is this a cost-effective way of, of sharing knowledge compared with actually creating courses from scratch and things like that. I do think there's a problem with the term digital transformation, though, because uh, it it is another buzzword, yet again, that the world's got to pick up and work with, and I might disagree with Liz's interpretation of that. I I think Liz is picking up on what the trends are. But strictly, if you're going to take a step back, what does it mean? I I would still go back to that general definition, that it's transforming everything you're doing into a digital format. But since every day everyone does digital, it's it's an inevitable thing to do for a new generation of learners, but for everyone. Is it inevitable because the learners
0: have already, in some ways, have already made that transformation? As in, everything they do is digital. That's what they expected. And you know, playing devil's advocate here is that are we now looking at the L and D teams playing catch up with their learners?
1: Um, That's exactly what I was about to say. Yeah, I think yeah, it is. It's a kind of it's quite revelatory, really, Um, the fact that that it's being talked about at the moment um, in L and D circles. When in fact, as Mark I think quite correctly says, it's already happened. Um, it's happened in organisations uh, in terms of uh, assets and content and all the rest of it. And of course, it's happened outside in terms of how people uh, are happy and sort of au fait with uh, um, you know, technology and use all things digital. So really, it's basically saying L&D are
3: behind the curve. And I think one of the fundamental problems is the blurring of the lines between learning and information. Mm. Mm. And the reality is, if it's suddenly information, does that mean other parts of the organization says that's our area? Know the people who've been in charge of intranets for years would say that's what we do. Um, the SharePoint covers all that information. Why are you trying to go into that space? And the L&D teams will have to realize that people now learn an awful lot from just browsing and finding things. Formal training is a little less important for them. But who takes control? So we talk about digital transformation. Who's in charge of that in the organisation? Andy, yeah. is it the IT teams? It's a really difficult political problem.
0: And is that where part of this? And again, some some of the, 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 the articles I've been reading recently, there seems to be a bit of a buzz around. Um, it's as much of anything as shock tactics, it's the death of the LMS. But from what you've just said there, it's it's not the death of the LMS. It's LMS sort of doing the job it's always done. But are there other how are people accessing this content? Who who owns that?
2: I think people, yeah, the modern learner expects this digital experience that they that they've been having um, outside of a learning environment, and they consume. Uh, digital content in different ways, you know, they use it on their phone, they read articles, they watch videos, it's a completely different way of not only accessing information but consuming information and also consuming learning. And it's about how we can make sure that what we're giving people isn't just something that they can find anywhere, you know, they, can't, they can look up information anywhere, but how can the L&D team ensure that they're providing something which is a true learning experience.
0: But I would argue I I agree with what you're saying, but I would argue that in each of those cases you just said about when people do say a Google search or people look for something on YouTube or someone quickly looks for something on their phone, the motivation there is for them to do it because they've identified that they need to find out a bit of information about something. In some ways, when we're talking about an L and D team that's putting together, say, I don't know, a, a management curriculum, they're teaching people things that maybe those people haven't identified they need to know yet. So Those things are slightly different, aren't they? Uh,
3: Yeah, I mean, I would say I've always thought of this identification between a voluntary learner and an involuntary learner. And the voluntary learner enjoys all of this digital transformation stuff. It's there in front of them at last. There's nothing getting in their way. But unfortunately, I think the numbers of uh, involuntary learners dwarf uh, the voluntary learners out there. And so we're doing all this effort, social media, everything, to get people doing stuff. I bet you, no stats here, but I bet you that 70, percent of the organisation will avoid doing all of that. And dare I say it, if we don't herd them into classrooms, there's a danger that a chunk of people are just going to get no learning and no training whatsoever because of this digital transformation. So we've got to blend the traditional models, which still have some value, with all this nice stuff. But we have to acknowledge that the nice stuff is only really going to appeal, maybe to 10, 20% of Mm. the company. Yeah, I mean,
0: there's there's that whole thing around, um, and again, it's another buzz phrase, there seems to be a lot of those now, industry doesn't there, this whole, less courses, more resources, you know, that sort of thing. But again, those resources are people who know what they're looking for. So if I'm looking for something to perform as a performance support tool, and I know what I'm looking for, that, that would need a resource. But I think in some ways, we where we find that people don't necessarily know what it is they need to learn, that's when we do far more around experiences and you know whether it be stories or narratives or short videos or, and that sort of stuff to sort almost get those people to look at the learning that maybe they wouldn't have identified in the first place.
2: I think yeah, it's about that curation exercise and and the whole part point of that is to kind of bring together everything into one consistent place, but then also to create different learning journeys. So a learning journey could be based on someone who knows what they want, the kind of uh, voluntary learner from Mark's point of view, or, that, or based on someone who knows nothing about the subject and maybe they don't want to learn it, they're kind of being pushed towards it by their organisation. Um, and in those cases, those people need uh, more guidance from us in terms of taking them through the programme, setting out a structure for them, and also making it really engaging. And in many ways making it not feel like learning at all.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. I think there's also um, an issue around timeliness as well, Um, so if people have got more time um, and they need uh, training to get them um, skilled up um, then you you still have digital courses then you might sort of come down and if you've got a little less time you might be into more micro learning and uh, interval reinforcement so it's all short bursts and if you've got even less time and it's like just in time, then you're looking for resources, not courses, or even to just simply search and maybe network, you mm-hmm. know, put, put out a question and try and get an answer to a problem.
3: I, I just think the fundamental problem, having seen a lot of new dawns of lots of things, is we've just got to be really, really careful that while we get our heads around a new idea and a new approach, that suddenly we deal with this so simplistically that. That's all I want to focus on. Yeah. And I think I've just seen that in too many N and d teams here and there where someone says this is something I really get excited about and that's all they do mm. and that's all they push. And all the good stuff that's still going on, they just neglect because they feel they need to follow that. I mean, for the worst of reasons, it could be just they want to look good. The other reasons they're just excited about it. But they mustn't forget all the other stuff, the day to day stuff that just gets neglected and not integrated.
0: Yeah, I, I, I think that we we see that quite a lot. And I think um, there's an awful lot of information, and it's a very fast moving industry as well. So when the latest thing comes up, I and mean, we've obviously been through you know, buzz phases like, I mean, so, social was one we talked about on one of the previous podcasts. We talked about gamification. We talked about it's, it's the latest, greatest thing, and everything, you're right, Mark, everything gets thrown into that pot, and everything's got to be like this. Um, but in, in some ways, I, th- I think. James you mentioned about things being micro I mean that that for me is a classic example where there's this whole thing about micro learning, and people say, Right, we definitely need that, but don't necessarily understand what that means. So, what they take that as meaning is we've got an hour long course, people don't want an hour long course. What we're going to do now is we're going to do 10 six minute courses and just break that same course into smaller pieces. It's, it's the same content, if, oh, it wasn't, a... if it wasn't fit for purpose, it's not fit for purpose now, it's just shorter. That's not what we mean by micro, is it? Well, that micro, no, you, that's moved on already. Now we've got nano
1: learning. So, I mean, you know, <laughs> I was
0: looking at micro and macro last week, and thought, well, what's going on here?
1: Yeah, it's getting out of hand. I think also the other thing is for me that we talk about digital transformation, but uh, it does actually come down to, um, for example, we don't consume uh, learning content is not currently really consumed on uh, mobile phones, uh, on smartphones. I don't think you can really say that you've digitally Mm -hmm. uh, transformed when in fact most content is still simply consumed and designed for consumption on the desktop. Um, I really don't. It's just sort of, you know, digital transformation suggests a contemporary, a modern sort of thing. The truth of the matter is we're behind the curve again in terms of the devices that are being used to do learning.
2: And it goes back to that point about how people consume learning as well, because if they're doing it sat down at a desk on a desktop computer, that's a very different experience to if you're doing something you know, sitting, waiting to go into a meeting and you look up some performance support information on your phone, just like the nature of the different environments and the different circumstances that you're in do change the way that you kind of consume that learning. And
1: I would come back to that phone. I'm going to keep, you know, I do think that is what people do. People Mm. do use their phones just, you know, as a just-in-time thing. But increasingly also, people will use their phones to read Mm long-form text and therefore to potentially do uh, training content on their
3: phones. And phones are not part of the mix at the moment. I mean, I I think if you go back to old school thinking, uh, learning sometimes isn't easy. And to learn something that you maybe don't necessarily want to learn yourself, but your organization wants you to learn, uh, that will never succeed as a browsable thing on a a phone while you're waiting at a bus stop. It will, however, be something that you'll grab if you're going to a meeting that afternoon and you don't know how to do something, or more importantly, you don't know how to use a piece of software. That's the sort of thing that people might grab at the time. But I think structured learning experiences become much harder when they're delivered via nomadic devices like um, smartphones. I think that's maybe the position where the desktop has a little more place. If that's your main workstation, um, but I,
1: yeah, I don't really, I don't fully agree. In the, in the sense that I think that we could be designing, and you know, and and that content, the sort of content you're talking about, could be consumed on on phones. You say it can't be, but I think that's um,
3: an old school view. That that's fair enough. <laughs> uh, but I suppose what I'm talking about is. The phones, and we're talking about phones now, yeah? And I don't know whether they're getting big or small, frankly. Uh, I, I think the trend is getting smaller again now, I believe. But essentially, the smaller they get, the more easy they get. They work for videos. They work for lots of passive experiences. They don't necessarily work for analysis, structured stuff, where there's detail, where you need to absorb stuff. And I think that's harder to do in busy environments, which is where you get the smartphones being used primarily. Snatched moments. I don't believe you can learn for five minutes. Uh, Maybe that's old-school thinking, but I've seen studies that take five minutes to get yourself geared up, ten minutes of rich thinking, five minutes of phasing down, we're at 20 minutes already. That's not a quick snatched five minute moment. So no. nano learning and micro learning really is hugely debatable in my opinion. Whether well, it's a good learning experience. You're just grabbing something on the fly. I don't have a problem. I totally agree with you. you know, I
1: totally get the five minutes of getting up to speed and all the rest of it. But I'm saying that people are, I think you know, will be more prepared to spend more time actually using their, using their phone. You know, that's what I'm saying. That they'll be happy to spend more longer on doing more structured activities on their phone.
2: You talk about the example of um, someone might look at it for a task-related activity, right? So they might look at their phone if there's something they want to do. But I think people will also do that on an information basis as well. So if I'm going into a meeting this afternoon and I feel like I want to be clued up on, you know, the latest trends and things so that I can impress my manager, impress the rest of the team, I would be prepared to kind of read longer articles, you know, search through, have more structured learning experiences in the in the time before that meeting. I think... I, th- I, think people will look- I think people do learn like that. I think I personally would look at a phone for everything. I would rather look at my phone all day than look I, at a desktop computer.
3: I, and I think, I think what you're actually saying is where the trends are, what people will do. And I totally understand and agree with that. I mean, the reality is very few people of a, 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 a younger generation than me will, will look at computers. They don't often even have computers really? now. So I, I think what you're talking is a truth. Mm -hmm. absolutely we have to cater for the people because that's where they will be doing it i suppose i'm saying from a pure purist point of view that's really hard to deliver the sort of learning that we used to deliver 10 15 years ago when it was good learning 10 15 years ago but if you do that and i think that's the challenge
1: to us then you will achieve a a kind of digital
3: transformation i believe Uh, digital transformation has such a wide area, yeah. isn't it? I mean, fundamentally, if you can connect knowledge and acquisition of information with genuine learning experiences, then you've achieved what digital transformation should be for L&D. Um, but that is in the lap of the gods, whether an organisation can get their head round that.
0: So I'm wondering, are we saying we've gone through blends now then? There's not a place for classrooms anymore and, and everything should be digital? Is, is, is Surely that's um, not the case.
1: Well, no, when you say blends, I mean say, for example, one part of blends is di- the digital classroom, if you like, or um, and that's or even I'm just gonna, a
3: classroom. Well, <laughs> yeah. that, 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 that was that's my point. Oh, we say,
1: coming, I mean, it, it, um,
0: anecdotal act, feedback from learners that I've spoken to recently that have been in a classroom. And one of my questions exactly that was okay. What did you get out of this week? And without without exception, everybody said, "Oh, it was great talking to the other managers. It was mm-hmm. great getting feedback from people. It was great sharing best practice." So they're not saying. They love classrooms. They love being together in the classroom, which is obviously where this, the social bit comes in. And I think it'd be a crying shame to say, right, okay, that's all going away, and, and you're going to view everything on your phone. So surely we're not in that position um, yet. Um,
1: no, far from it. But but for example, you might bring phones into the classroom, mm-hmm. and that's happening in schools and education. Why shouldn't that happen in the corporate environments as well?
2: Exactly. It's about that collaboration, I think, between the digital and that face-to-face element. I think people value that networking experience so much. And it isn't something that we would want to take away from organisations. We can look at how we can support it in terms of providing social learning, other interactions. But yeah, exactly. As James said, the digital can be part of everything. It can be part of the classroom. It can be part of, um, you know, your pre-learning that you do before you go to the classroom you know you 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 can you know carry out a questionnaire and then the facilitator can better target the learning to the people that are in the room you know there's all sorts of ways that you can use digital to make an even better classroom experience.
3: If I was giving a tip to someone about all of this, I'd say look at what happens in your organisation at the moment. How do people talk? How do they share stuff? If they do that all online, then don't hurt them in a classroom. Mm -hmm. However, if they are an organisation that likes seeing each other and touching the flesh and everything, then essentially you can't throw that away because it has to be part and parcel of what you're doing. And the biggest mistakes I've seen over the years is when a very traditional organisation suddenly makes a decision that they're going to change completely online. And in the 80s, people said, 70% of our learning will be online, one bank said. And within three years, they would managed to do that and alienate almost everyone. Yeah. Because fundamentally, all they did was convert everything to e-learning, which no one, and everyone missed meeting people. And however, it's about cost, it's about it's about lots of issues. If people are now widespread working from home, etc., the days of marching people into a classroom, however nice that seems, maybe just economically not viable. And, um, and
0: the example you just given there, Mark, do you think that's driven by that was the uh, that, that was driven by a business need rather than putting learners at the centre of everything? They they hadn't understood the the. No one had maybe even asked the learner what they wanted. It was all an assumption.
3: I think in those days, which was we're talking about 15 years ago or so, in those days or even 20 years ago, in those days it wasn't reacting to what people do on the ground. I think it was all about the economics and all about uh, getting more learning out to people quickly. And that there are good ROI reasons why the digital transformation idea is important because if you can get stuff to people quicker they don't have to wait for two months or three months for the for the course they get up to speed quicker the organization benefits from it they feel better however if you lose the heart the humanity of learning and development by just doing it that route then we have a problem however if we have a generation that basically only like doing things online even if the people in the room they would rather talk to each other online then you have to pander to that that's where they're coming from
1: So I just wonder, out of all this discussion, uh, why is there all this talk about um, digital transformation
3: now? Well, it's beyond me. I never know who invents these uh, terminologies (laughs) as they come along. Um, I mean, essentially, I think because people are thinking about the holistic view now, uh, they 're trying to bring lots and lots of things together, and they don 't dare use the word learning anymore or training or things like that because it 's just too niche it' it 's too big now for for them for for old models of terminology to be applied
2: and I think part of the reason it 's become such a a kind of buzzword or phrase that people are using, it's because L&D are waking up to their learners. They're realising that they're behind where their learners are. Their learners are already moved on to that kind of using digital more in, in their lives, inside and outside of work. And L&D are kind of saying, Oh, no, we're in a bit of trouble here. We need to catch up. Um, So quickly thinking about how they can kind of catch up with where the learner is.
0: But they're so far behind, this that they're not going to gradually catch that up. They're not going to say, okay, for the next six months, we're going to do this and we're going to catch up. They need to make a humongous leap. Yeah. And I I think it's fair to say, and it's only my opinion, but I, I... as quickly as they're catching up, the learners are moving on to the next thing oh, anyway. Yeah, so, continue, but yeah. they, I think you're right. I think they need to, need to make a hum, humongous jump to get close to where the learners are. Yeah. And I think they've realised that
2: Or even looking ahead, like looking ahead to where the learner will be and, and, you know, missing out a stage in between. They don't need to go through every stage that the learner's been through. They can jump forward and say, what's coming next? What's going to be the next big thing? And already um, we've seen that with some of our clients. We had a brainstorm with one of them recently where they were saying, you know, what are the new things that you're looking at? We don't want, you know, we know we're behind and we don't want to go through the whole journey. We want you to be able to leapfrog us to the point in time where you are already.
3: I I think... I follow your point exactly, Paul, when you, when you, when you talk in terms of, of the change and being able to keep up. I think the fundamental problem is that change is really, really hard for those of us who are sitting inside learning development teams to keep abreast. Uh, basically, every six months, every four months, a completely new platform is now the cool way in which people converse. That group will come through. So, you're going to have to map out every two, three, maybe even years, each People you go along and say, they will do, like doing it that way, but these guys will, like doing it this way. And, and the change is happening so quickly now that I think it's beyond many people to work out what the corporate equivalent could be.
2: Yeah, I agree with you, Mark, that there is a huge task there. Um, and I think that's where we can help um, L&D teams and um, help them to do that looking ahead piece, looking at what those trends are. You know, if they follow us, if they can kind of um, see what we're doing, see what um, we're looking at in terms of, of what's happening next. Um, And jump on board with that, then we can give them that little push that helps them to reach that state of a a full digital transformation.
3: I agree. I think you just basically will have to come to some compromise ultimately, but it will work. And I agree with that. Yeah, bring it
0: on. Well, thanks again for your time today. Um, If you want to continue this conversation or pick up with us, we're available on Twitter at Kineo or get in touch via our website at kineo.com.